Welcome to another edition of Bridging the Gap, where we're bridging the gap of where the industry of wealth management is today and where it's going by talking with some of the best minds in the industry. And this week, we have Brett Orvieto, a recent recipient of Investment News's 40 Under 40. And our conversation with Brett was nothing less than incredible. His journey into this space comes from something that I appreciate. His family, his dad started a business, but he came from the equity desk. And then a family emergency led to him stepping into the wealth management business. And now he is succeeding in the wealth management business. We talk about his whole journey, what he learned along the way, transitioning the book of business from one firm to another, and also what was that one decision he would change post his 17th birthday? Brett Orvieto and me in this conversation. It's amazing. Thanks so much to Brett. Now, let's go over to the content itself. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Brett Orvieto, what's going on, my friend? How is everything down in Florida and how are you doing? Everybody staying well and staying safe? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Everyone's doing well. Uh, back to school here, so that, that's a focus for for everybody at the moment. But yeah, everything everything's going well. You can you can see the sun behind me right now. We're uh, back in the hundred degree days of uh, of the summer down here. There you go, the hot summer days of Florida. I always love it. And dude, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. You know, just following you and and just seeing what you've been doing. It's exciting to have you here and talk about kind of your story and your journey. But first off. You know, this is part of our kind of theme to get a lot of the 40 under 40 honorees onto the podcast. Congratulations on being recognized by Investment News as a 40 under 40. Such a great honor. You know, what does it mean to you to, to be recognized as a 40 under 40 by Investment News? Yeah, thanks a lot. And congrats to you as well. I was excited to get to talk to you uh, as a part of this. It was definitely a, a big accomplishment. My first kind of award like that in this industry, which was pretty exciting kind of a unique background from coming from trading from before. So you kind of establishing myself in, in the industry, it was a kind of big milestone for me. And it was a great thing to be able to send out to clients. A lot of people were pretty excited to see it. I'm not sure if, if you remember from the actual magazine, but they chose a, a picture of me where I was talking on my cell phone. That was one of the pictures that we thought would be kind of thrown away. Just they said, hey, just send us some extras. They ended up choosing that. So a lot of my friends have had a, a good time messing with me about, the, about that photo. But it, it's been a lot of fun. And just some great feedback and response. And, and the other opportunities just to be able to meet people like you that across the country that are kind of doing similar things and, and doing well and being able to network. It's been a great, great thing for me. I love that. And, and I have to ask, what were you talking about on the phone during that picture? What was the conversation about? Yeah, so it, exactly. So it, it wasn't actually a real conversation. It was uh, they were trying to, to kind of just get me out of my shell a little bit. So I was just holding it up. You know, as you know, probably I, I never actually hold a phone anymore either. I just use headphones. So it was kind of this weird... <laughs> weird relic of a photo. So, but it's, it's created a little bit of a buzz and it kind of made it a little bit unique when I shared it uh, on LinkedIn. So hey, there's nothing wrong with having a, a little bit of publicity around something like that. It gets people talking, right? It's a little bit differentiated. That's what it's all about. The marketing game. Exactly. So, yeah. And I agree with you, man. It's uh the forty hundred forty has been something that's just been really incredible to meet people like yourself and other great people in the space that are doing, you know, just amazing things. And you know, to have a community like that, that we can you know, idea share and and we have this common bond of of something that we all accomplished in the same time and it's it's really it's a really great thing and I, I hope that we can all you know come together and do some some real good continue to do some real good in the industry you know I I always like to start out just with with people's backgrounds right you know this whole podcast is about to getting to know people and learn about them and their journey because the hope is is that we can take the lessons that we've learned from others and and help us in one way or the other and bridge the gap from where we are to where we need to go. And 
it starts by creating that common bond with uh, the listeners. So, you know, tell us where you're born and raised and, you know, how you got into this space. You know, did your family work here? Did you always want to be an advisor? Tell us your story. Sure. So I'm born and raised uh, in Florida, Plantation, Florida, kind of a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. So it's actually a rarity down here. Usually when you meet, you meet people down here, they're just from somewhere else. And I'm kind of one of those rare people that actually, you know, was born and raised here. Uh, I went to college in Emory uh, in Atlanta. I met my wife there. We moved, we were dating at the time, but moved to, to New York City. And I worked at Morgan Stanley on their equity trading desk. So that was a little bit of different, you know, background from what I'm doing now, much faster pace. I love that job. I was there six years, uh, traded single name equities, traded some derivatives, traded special situations, just a lot of fun, uh, very unique experience too, from the timing perspective. So I got there in 2007 and then the financial crisis hits the year after. So in terms of learning experience, you probably couldn't ask for a better one because I went from kind of, hey, you're, you're picking up coffees, you're kind of doing the, the end of the day emails, you're not doing that much exciting the first year. And then a lot of people were let go and there was cost cuts. And all of a sudden, you know, you get a tap on the shoulder, hey, you're now in charge of the energy sector, you know, go trade. And so it was just kind of, you know, trial by fire, which, which was in, for a young person, very exciting. I mean, I didn't, I didn't own any stocks at the time. I wasn't as stressed as everybody else was. I was kind of just, you know, getting used to everything. So a great experience there. I was there six years. And then in terms of my family, you know, my dad actually started an RAA down here and had built it up for, you know, most of the time that I, I was growing up. And in 2013, he unfortunately uh, got pretty sick and he didn't have a succession plan, like which is a, obviously a big thing in this industry, right? So much more attention is on it now. But at the time, there wasn't much set. He was younger. It wasn't, you know, part of the plan. So I came down and tried to be essentially a stopgap at that point for his practice. And kind of, you know, the plan was he'll get back to health and then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of figure it out. It was a, a good point too to leave when I was at Morgan Stanley, just kind of the timing made sense. You know, I'd achieved a lot, but I wanted to try something different. And we moved down uh, to Florida, my wife and I. And, you know, shortly after that, he passed away, unfortunately. Mm. So I kind of went from, you know, helping to now I was 27, 28 years old. Here you go, you know, kind of try to step in. And in a lot of cases, I hadn't met most of the clients before. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty new experience in terms of, you know, transitioning from the trading side to, to wealth management, as you know. So that was another kind of trial by fire, you know, moment. A lot of great clients through those first couple of years really helped me, gave me a chance, gave me the opportunity and, you know, built bonds with them on my own, which was great. And then, you know, five years later, I joined Dakota Wealth and that's the firm that I'm at now. And that's kind of why the, the 40 under 40s is a good milestone in that sense, because I, you know, took took that business from 2013 to 2018, grew it and then decided I wanted to make a change, join a newer, younger, growing firm. Just a lot of the things that I see you doing as well, and a lot of the other forty under forty, kind of taking advantage of technology. You know, kind of focusing on different demographics, and it's really worked out. Dakota's grown, and now we're you know one point seven billion dollar firm, and I run our office in Fort Lauderdale, and you know it's been a great, great three years so far at the new firm. Gosh, that's amazing! What a story and what a journey. I mean, I've I've talked with many of the other honorees and and the individuals that have received this award and everybody's journey is so different and, and we're all in this group and i think that that's what's so uh, awesome about this group and you know it's it, your journey was totally different right you got thrown into wealth management right from equity trading and into wealth management right it's totally different right. the personal side of it i mean when you got thrown into that when your dad got ill uh, or sick you know how many people were at the firm i mean how many families were you managing and how did that transition? Were you able to keep a lot of the families? How did you do that? I mean, that's just, I mean, that's a tough thing. I can really empathize and, and understand the family run business side of it. My dad started one of our firms and worked with my brother, but 
how many people were working for y'all? How many families were you serving and how were you able to keep them and how many did you keep? Yeah, so great question. So there's about five or six people working at the firm at the time. So I did have some support. He had a partner who was very supportive of me to kind of step in there as well. But, you know, there was obviously a significant gap just in terms of experience and age and just style too, right? So that was a big adjustment just in terms of trying to learn, you know, the business, how, you know, the speed of it certainly, um, like you said, much more personal aspects, right? Where I went from making split second decisions, now we're kind of trying to make long-term investment decisions, get to know people and their families, much more kind of personal side of wealth management. We ended up keeping pretty much about everyone. I mean, just, you know, maybe maybe a handful, even one or two people, you know, transitioned over that year period, but it, it really worked out kind of a, better than than I could have expected. Certainly, I'll give uh, some credit to the market there from 2013 to 14. People are a little happy. There was, uh, it, had I do- joined, you know, during a, a crisis, it might've been a little bit different, but people, people did give me a chance. And also just a credit to, you know, a lot of the people that my dad, you know, worked with, a lot of them were just really great people. You know that that were excited to to give me a chance and, and work with me. Mary Beth, who works with me now, still was also a really good resource because she had worked with a lot of the clients, you know, through the period with my dad for that kind of ten year period, and helped you know me at least get to know them in the beginning. And that continuity has also helped. So now a lot of those clients have been have been talking to Mary Beth and I for the last last eight years. That's that's just such a interesting you know an amazing dynamic, right? To be able to just jump into that, have the support of everybody else rally around for the common good of the client and then to keep everybody. I mean, that's a testament to you and everybody else in that team. Um, and it's just amazing. Uh, so kudos on that. And, you know, when you moved over to Dakota to run the office down in Florida, did y'all sell the practice or is your dad, the, the original practice still around? And then y'all, or did you just move over and kind of part ways with the, the partner at that time? Yeah, so we, we made a pretty clean split. It, it was actually worked out well in that sense. You know, I had my clients, my partner, who was my dad's partner, had his clients. So it was a pretty clean split. He, the firm still exists, Strategic Asset Management. It's a great firm. They, they do a great job. Just for me, it was just looking for something different. Also, just something that was a little more, you know, mine or a little more on my own, if you will. And, you know, I left with Mary Beth, um, who I mentioned, who, who worked with me, and we, we took my book essentially and joined Dakota. And Dakota was a pretty exciting opportunity at the time because it was a brand new firm. So I joined essentially the week after it formed. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple firms came together and joined, you know, to gain, you know, strength through scale. And, you know, there's offices now in eight different states. So we, we've really grown fast, you know, some of that through acquisition. But that was kind of the idea. I wanted to be part of something bigger. I wanted more of a team atmosphere. You know, it's exciting to me when some of our other offices do really well. You know, I'm a, an equity owner at Dakota, and that's a big part of you know kind of what the, we're building as a firm. So it's nice I kind of get both, where I get to run the office in Fort Lauderdale. Our headquarters is an hour north in Palm Beach Garden, so I can go up there. You know, kind of still be in the mix of the larger office, and then go back to to run my own office. And then you know we get the the benefit of having you know more more people to to rely on because that was a big thing for me in the business too, right? I, I knew a lot about stocks. I knew a lot about trading. I knew a lot about what was happening in the market, but I didn't have much knowledge on, you know, Medicare or specific IRA rules or taxes or estates or things like that. So having more resources around me really helps, you know, just in terms of how our office functions now. I love that. And, you know, I, you know, it's always interesting when you move clients from one practice, one practice to another, and that whole process, how was that process, right? What did you learn in that process that maybe some other advisors could take away? And, how, you know, what were the things that you did that you felt were successful? And then what were some of those things that you did that, you know, if you could, if you 
ever had to, which you hope you don't have to go back and do it again, that you would change? Yeah, I think a couple of things would be just expectation management of, of yourself. You know, I'm pretty, I, I set high expectations for myself. I was pretty confident, yeah, I'm going to bring all these people over in this amount of time. And this reality is it just always takes a little longer than you think, right? Because it's, it really mattered to me to have the client sign this form or get it to them, but it's not everyone else's first priority. They have a million things going on in their lives, right? So, you know, just trying to find that balance between, you know, not bugging people. Hey, can you please sign the forms that, you know, we want to move over. You know, most people were really good about it, but they're always just takes a little longer than you think. It's also just a pretty big logistical, you know, headache just in terms of so many account forms, so many, you know, new things from the repapering side. I think the number one thing we did really well that now everyone is doing, but at the time it was a little newer was we tried to do all DocuSign and it was 2018. And that was a huge help, you know, just because the amount of paperwork required to kind of move people over, they have five, six accounts. It, it just was overwhelming if you're trying to do it by paper. So DocuSign made it much easier. My custodian helped a lot with that. Dakota helped with that too, but certainly the DocuSign piece of it made it much simpler. And that was kind of everyone's introduction to DocuSign, which did actually put us in a better position kind of heading into COVID because we're already have everyone pretty much used to using DocuSign now. And, and I'm sure now you're seeing it too, but every everyone is kind of exclusively using that now. It just once you once you kind of start down that road, it's so much easier than, than doing kind of the old way. But that was probably the the best thing we did. And I think the other part is just kind of being transparent with with clients. I had the advantage, you know, if you come from a, a wirehouse where you can't talk about it or you kind of have to be secret about moving or things like that. I had a, a much different situation. You know, people knew I was looking, people knew I was going to make a decision. And I kind of included a lot of my clients in that decision. Hey, this is why I'm thinking about it. This is what it means for you. This is what it means for me. And I was able to kind of tell them ahead of time where it wasn't, you know, hey, you just get an email, you know, your advisor just moved, uh, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's that's how it has to work. Unfortunately, in our industry, it's kind of bizarre where it's the only industry where clients can't really choose on their own, right? They're kind of like, oh, well, actually you belong somewhere else. That That's a really strange thing to me, just from an industry perspective. And I was glad I didn't have to deal with that, right? It's like my clients can make any decision they want. You know, I wasn't tied to anything at the time. So that, that made it a lot easier. But, you know, when no one was surprised, everyone was excited. And if you kind of make them excited about the decision, it, it makes it a lot easier, a lot more exciting for them too. Yeah, and I think that the one thing that you did that I, I think everybody can take away from, and I talk about it a lot with um, regards to just managing a relationship in terms of the behavioral psychology side of it, is the idea of you know making it a joint decision right giving some ownership to that and that gets a lot more buy-in right and if we're doing financial planning and investment management and we can make it a joint decision as opposed to us saying this is what we need to do and this is why we're doing it you get a lot more buy-in longer term and i think that that's what exactly what you did there you know i want to turn to some life lesson stuff because i'm really i think it's such a interesting aspect especially you know for for you reaching the milestones that you have in the journey you've been on did you grow up wanting to be in equity trading or wealth management i mean you saw your dad you know building the firm i mean was that always what you had intended or were you looking to be like a fireman or a police officer maybe yeah i always knew that i wanted to have have something to do with at first it was just math i liked math i liked numbers I liked being involved with kind of things that were statistic-based or math-based. So that was the first step. I mean, if you had asked me at certainly a young age, it would have been something involving sports. I'm pretty obsessed with, you know, following sports and watching sports. Um, Who's your you know, team? That was, Who's uh, your team? So Miami Hurricanes are my right. team. So where right. this is, uh, this is, this is pretty exciting. We're, we're taping this, 
this now. I'm not sure where it's going to air. We we unfortunately play Alabama in uh, in a little bit, hey. like about ten days ten days from now. Hope the build up the people, build up for that's fun. Yeah. The game may not be, but the build up will be fun. Yeah, sure. Ho- hopefully when when people listen to this, uh, we'll have uh, had an incredible upset that everybody remembers. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Hey. But I won't won't make any predictions uh, as a result of that. But but yeah, that, and then I think you know seeing my dad, you know, industry certainly got me involved. And then when I was in college, it's a little bit different now, but trading and kind of investment banking were still the, the most popular things that to look at when you're kind of in that finance realm. I was in, in business school at, at Emory. I majored in math and business. So that was a natural route. And just the kind of the quick atmosphere, the decision making, the camaraderie of a trading floor w- was similar to, you know, kind of a sports atmosphere to some extent. So that really, you know, lended itself to, to what I wanted to do at the time. And it just really kind of worked out. But that it wasn't you know, really a decision I made until, you know, kind of sophomore, junior year uh, of college when I was looking for so, it. So. so I have to ask this. I love Emory. I'm an Atlanta guy. I live very close to Emory. I think that the campus is beautiful. The school is great. I have some really good friends that, that, that have been there or that went there. You're a Hurricanes fan. Why did you go to Emory? Yeah. So, you know, there's, I live down here. I, I go to all the games anyways. You know, I didn't want to stay at home. You know, so I, I kind of grew up where that was our, our thing. Like my, my whole family, we, we'd go to games. We travel on the road to games. Emory is also, you know, among other reasons, a very good school. But it was just a school that I, you know, felt comfortable with. I got a, a partial scholarship to go there as well. There's kind of a bunch of things into it. But it was also for what I like to do as well, you know, really nicely located. You know, I spent a lot of college going to games at other campuses. You know, I visited Georgia and Clemson and Alabama and Auburn. All these places are kind of two, three hours away. So Weirdly, from a college football perspective, it was it's the perfect place to go. And now, if you think about it, that's actually where that that Alabama Miami game is. It just kind of tends to be a, a college football hub. Uh, so there's a couple a couple of reasons that ended up you know working out pretty well. But I was still able to come home for all the, all the big games while I was there. That's fair enough, and I think it worked out. You met your wife there, and and so it all worked out. And and I can't really talk much. I'm a big Georgia fan, and I didn't go to Georgia. I decided to go four hours west to Arizona State for four years. So, oh, exactly. There you uh, go. I, I can't, okay. I, the reason I can ask the question is because I lived it as well. And I always yeah. like to hear other people's answers. You know, as you think about the, you know, kind of your experiences in this industry, it's, you know, you've gone through a lot. I mean, you've gone through more in your, you know, just in the past eight years, nine years, just within this industry, not even the equity trading years, than many RIA firm owners go through in their whole life of owning a firm. What's the most interesting kind of lesson that you feel you've learned during all of the experiences just in the past eight years, maybe just with the RIA, right? jumping into it, convincing clients that they should stay with you, even though you haven't been in wealth management, but you've been in equity trading, then moving them to another firm and now being an equity partner. I mean, what's the most interesting lesson you think you could take away from all these experiences so far? Yeah, a couple of things. I, I think the personal aspect is the biggest, right? I mean, it's, it, there's a lot more attention on it now, but it wasn't necessarily as big of a thing when I first got into it. But just how much of the actual job when you're doing it day to day is just talking to people, you know, the, the psychology aspect, you know, to talking to them about you know, the relatives or especially COVID has been a good example, right? Where people just want to talk about their health, how their family's doing. You know, when you're a trader, you, you certainly think more of what goes on in this industry is is like what's happening in the market, how's the portfolio doing? And the reality is most of my, you know, clients now, that's, you know, not necessarily the, you know, third or fourth thing we even talk about. It's all the other things, you know, going on in their lives, you know, just kind of being an advisor to them. The other part that's been, you know, pretty validating the last couple of years is I've tried to get a lot younger clients, which is, you know, something different that I think is a big, you know, factor in me joining Dakota was kind of the flexibility to do that, right? If you're at a big bank or you're at a big firm, 
with big minimums, you know, they say, okay, well, you can't come in, you know, you're come back to us when you have $2 million or $3 million. Right. And I kind of tried to do, you know, something a little bit different, just given my age, you know, so there's a lot of, as you know, the stats, you know, the average advisor is, you know, 60 something years old. I had an advantage in that way. So, you know, I, I was the last couple of years trying to bring in clients, especially Dakota, who are my friends who are, you know, low mid thirties, really making money, doing well, you know, they don't have a million yet, but they have 200, they have 300,000. And, you know, fast forward, you know, two, three years, a lot of them have done well. Now, a lot of them have, you know, millions of dollars with me. And it's been, you know, pretty validating to kind of see that happen where you took a chance on someone who doesn't just given the way everything is structured, have a lot of options to talk to people, you know, and if, as you know, treating them like they have to $2 million that you know, they're going to get to, you know, really kind of, you know, helps with that buy-in. And that's been a big thing I've been trying to do here just in, in terms of getting my clients, you know, to, to be younger, right? Because when I first joined, you know, my dad's business originally, I only had money going out, right? Most of these people were 60s, 70s, retired. I didn't have a lot of people adding money. They were just kind of more in the, the later phase of investing. So I've kind of tried to flip that where now I have a lot more money coming in all the time. People are making money. People are in the accumulation phase. And that's been really nice too, because I get to grow with those people and those clients. So I think that's just a thing in our industry in general. I mean, people are, are doing it more now, but just focusing more on those clients who are going to get there. And then what has also happened is the reverse of that, which is just unique, is now about four or five of my clients where I, I started with, you know, knowing someone who's my age, I'm now managing money for their parents, which is just kind of flipped mm-hmm. where their parents' advisors, 70 and is retiring. And they, hey, you know, who do you use? And they trust, you know, their their son or daughter who's doing well, you know, to to pick someone that they know is going to be around. And I've kind of flipped that, which has been nice where, you know, normally you just say, hey, well, let's try to get the money inherited. You know, you try to get the kids. I'm trying to do the reverse because those people, you know, need a lot of help too. The reverse referral. I love it. Something that everybody can learn. Focus on the young people and they'll refer their parents because, I mean, that's so true. We always say let's focus on the retirees and then they'll refer their kids. But Maybe if we focus on their kids and we can get their parents, I think that that's the, uh, you may be on to something there, Brett. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. And I, it's just a lot of just is that age dynamic, right? So if you're 70 years old, you probably have a 70 year old advisor in a lot of cases. And when that person retires, you know, these, these people are living till they're a hundred, right? So it's, you still need help for the next 20, 30 years in a lot of cases. And, you know, a lot of times that's, oh, well, you'll just talk to someone who's at my firm who you've never spoken to where I can kind of, you know, step in there and say, hey, listen, I worked with, you know, I've worked with Matt for for years and he already trusts me and, you know, you should trust me too. And that's that's been a pretty effective, you know, sales pitch that's worked out pretty yeah, well Yeah, so and you talked about it with your dad, right, with secession planning, right? It wasn't a big thing, now it is. But the problem is, is that when the wealth manager retires, the, the client doesn't retire either. They already are retired and they need someone exactly. else to still watch their money. What, you know, I, I'll, I'll wrap up here in a second. I have a few more you know, questions and we may go down a rabbit hole, which is fine. But what does success look like to you? Right. I think it's always interesting to ask people what success is. And, you know, I, I would say success personally and success professionally. Right. What what does it all look like to you? Because you've reaped, in my mind, a ton of success already. Right. But what does it look like to you? Yeah, I think it's it just kind of continuing to grow, uh, continuing to sp- expand you know, my client base grow with them, hopefully have have my clients have success because that's, you know, a big part of our our job is, is trying to help them have success and sharing that with them. And then the other part is just kind of personally trying to grow my own office. So I brought in another advisor, Reese Williams, last year, actually now 2019. So about almost two years now, which is kind of weird when you think about it. You know, he, he essentially started, we had this great plan. And then, you know, six months later, it's just COVID for the entire time that he's 
he's been here, which is, you know, a, a lot of stories, obviously similar, but he's done a great job, but it kind of just, you know, working with him and then, and hopefully expanding that too. Right. So I'd love to have within our firm, an office of more younger advisors that I can work with and kind of grow with and kind of build that within our firm. And it's been a good incubator so far to do that. So that's a big thing too. And then just, I think, you know, a lot of the things that people are doing in the 40 under 40, right? So giving back, helping our general industry. There's a lot of ways that we can help from a financial literacy perspective or other ways. And our industry is pretty different too, because there's so many people doing so many things, but a lot of these like big companies with billions of dollars, no one has heard of, right? So in other industries, it's, you know, you've heard of every company that has, you know, $10 billion, where ours is a, is a lot different. So there's a lot of ways to help, you know, kind of in your own area. And then I kind of try to focus on on doing things like that, too. Yeah. Financial literacy is one of those things that I'm passionate about, right? We need to get, we need to train the, the, train the youth how to fish so that they can go fishing as opposed to just giving them the fish. And, you know, I think that it goes from in our own homes to our own cities and then, you know, our own states. And if we can all do just a little bit more on that, I think the future is brighter than a lot of people paint. If we can all do that just a little bit more. When you look at yourself, you know, you look at your past I always like this question because I think we can all point back to certain things and be like, oh, you know, our life is great. But if I put you in this position of saying you look back to when you're 17, you know, if there's one decision that you could change since your 17th birthday, right? You're, I mean, don't get me wrong. Your path has been great. So there may be nothing, but I'm going to try to force out of you something that could have changed. You know, if you had to change one decision, what would it be since your 17th birthday? Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough question. I think maybe just the some of the things that I did, you know, college and, and early on, you know, definitely, you know, had success, you know, did well in college, and, and in my time at Morgan Stanley was good too. But I think just looking back now, you know, I have two young kids, you know, seven and five. I think I probably should have traveled more and kind of just soaked in more of my, you know, kind of eighteen to to twenty eight period. You know, my wife and I had kids pretty young. You know, we love you know everything about that, but just kind of. I probably you know, didn't take it enough advantage of some of those, you know, studying abroad or going on on more trips. There's just some of that stuff that you can't really get back from a time perspective. So I kind of see that's that's also similar, you know, becoming much more of a thing now. People are you know taking gap years or taking more time to do a lot of that stuff. But I I do feel like I probably missed out on some of that, just kind of focusing a little bit, you know, either whether it's school or work or things like that. So hopefully that's something that is I think just changing culturally too. So that that will probably be more of a thing going forward. And, and hopefully my my kids can experience that too. But I, I think that's that's been a big thing too. And I think we've seen COVID wise too, you know, just not being able to travel for so long is is kind of, you know, one of the things that, that's been on my mind. So I'm all there. I'm right there with you. I say that the I don't have many regrets in my life. I've lived a very fortunate life, but I say that the one thing is is that I should have maybe not taken that internship in the summer and traveled abroad because now as you know with kids, you know, we have we have one and another one on the way. And you just, it's hard to go travel a month in Portugal or a month in Spain, right, right. right? When you've got uh, yeah. two little kids, you know, that are in yeah. school, it just doesn't make the most sense in the world. And that's just some of those things. So I think that anybody that's out there listening, because we have a lot of young wealth management, financial professionals that are desire they want to be in this space, go and travel, right? You can learn a lot more on the job and uh, go and, and get those experiences because you don't get them back. You know, I, I want to wrap up with this question, and I, I think that um, it's just something that I'm passionate about. I, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. I don't know if you've read the book, Start With Why. You know, in all of our businesses that we have, we have a vision of what we want to be, and we really preach, uh, you know, understand what your why is and, and understand the why of the business because that brings people around the common goal. 
when you look at yourself and, and you talk about your own why, right? What is your why? What is the you know, the impact that you want to make and and what is the reason that you you get up and do what you do and the the greater vision other than just serving clients, but you know, the impact you want to have on the greater good? Yeah, I think it's kind of encompasses a lot of the, what we talked about. You know, I, I think certainly just being able to help people. I do think we have a, a unique ability or a unique opportunity in our industry to be able to kind of help people all the time, you know, for a long period of time. You know, if you think about most relationships, you know, you come come and go or, you know, you kind of like big bursts of activity, whereas ours is much more, you know, kind of long term. It, it's just really rewarding to be able to look at someone now that I've been here, you know, eight years and say, like, I've, I've been through a lot with that person. You know, I've seen them grow. I've seen them kind of reach their goals. So that's a big part of it. Just, you know, being able to, to help. And sometimes that's the call that, you know, makes your day, you know, when one person is, you know, really appreciative of kind of something you've done. It, it's just a pretty pretty unique feeling. And then I think, like, like I said before, kind of just trying to put in my own little way, you know, a small imprint on the industry um, to kind of grow, you know, helping more young people get opportunities, diversity, financial literacy, things like that. And I'm certainly trying to plug in more, you know, loving what, what you're doing in, in other people kind of in the, you know, whole fintech, uh, you know, space. I think a lot of interesting and exciting things are coming. I think to your point before, all the resources are going to be there. They probably weren't there 10 years ago, but all the resources are going to be there for to help a lot of people. The, the next step is just kind of making sure they they get in front of, you know, the people they need to get in front of and in, in a, a way that is digestible. And I think a lot of you know, great people are doing that. So just hopefully I can kind of promote some of those things or, you know, be part of that in some way. I love it. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that um, want to be a part of your journey as well and continue to follow all the good things that you're doing. What's the best way for people to follow you and stay in touch with you? And this is also selfish so that I can make sure that I stay in touch and continue to, to follow your journey. Yeah, sure. Uh, so right now, just LinkedIn is probably the best way. You know, just Brett Orvieto on LinkedIn. Dakota Wealth is is our firm. We're certainly trying to do more from a social media perspective, I think, in the next couple of years. As you know, my age, I'm certainly you know the one pushing that a lot of times. I'm usually the beta tester for people. A lot of people I'm sure are annoyed with me at my firm as a result of that, but I'm always kind of the one trying to push forward, you know, new technology and new things. So hopefully, you know, one day kind of more to come on the social media front. But you know, right now LinkedIn is a, a pretty good way to stay in touch. Awesome. Brett Orvieto, congratulations on your investment news 40 under 40. It's an honor to be in the to be recognized with you. And dude, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on Bridging the Gap. And let's go make some positive change on this space. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think.